0: Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. The sun crept across the sky as ever it had. They welcomed it. They worshipped it. The prickle on the skin felt like punishment. The sweat felt like virtue. Cups collected on the table. Towels were used and abandoned. There were sighs and feints toward conversation. There was the plash of water and the sound of the door opening and closing. It was the kind of heat you could almost hear. And in that kind of heat, what could you do but swim? Ruman Alam, leave the world behind. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm recapping the books I read in August. I cannot believe we are almost through my least favorite month of the year. This is infamously my least favorite month of the year. But I am pleased to tell you that I really have tried to make the best of it. Um, August in a pandemic, turns out, is quite a bit like March or April or May or June or or July. And so August this year, honestly, hasn't been that bad in the grand scheme of things. I think we're all muddling through in the best ways we know how. I know many of you as listeners are educators or um, parents. And so I'm sure this has been an unusually trying and difficult time for you. My brother is a teacher. And so I am hearing a lot from my friends who are parents, from my brother, who's an educator. And I know that so much is going on. So I know August has not been an easy month really for anyone, but we are slowly winding our way toward the fall. I really wanted to kick off this episode with that Ruman Alam quote, because I felt like it was so applicable to what we are experiencing here in the South as summer kind of dwindles to a close for a lot of maybe our Northern relatives, but here it's still very hot and we're just kind of acting our way into a better way of feeling, if that makes sense. So as I have said on Instagram and maybe even in some bookstore events, I already have a couple of pumpkins out in my living room because we're just trying to move this year along in the most joy-filled ways we know how. And sometimes that means putting out pumpkins in August. And it certainly means, I think, escaping into good books. And so the good news is April was a pretty good reading month for me. I do think we are past like the, the phase of the pandemic where I was reading, as some of you will recall, like, I don't know. 14 books a month which is ridiculous for me that may be normal for you it was not for me and i think um had a lot to do with um not even having more time but just i wasn't thinking maybe about as much and so had i had maybe a little bit more bandwidth, that time has passed, and we are definitely back toward a more normal, manageable, gosh, I think I read about seven books uh, in August, and that feels far more typical. Um, all of them were really good, though. That's the good news. I think I mentioned in the last recap episode that I am finding myself giving up on books far more easily. So I'm not maybe finishing quite as many, but that's partly because I am really giving up. It feels like I'm starting several, but not finishing them. Um, Or I'm starting books and really taking my time with them. So reading a few nonfiction titles that I'm working my way through slowly on purpose um, so that I I can really take them in and chew on them a little bit. Okay, so without further ado, the books I read in August. The first book I finished was Stand All the Way Up. This is a book by Sophie Hudson. I... I am not somebody who I, I follow Sophie Hudson on Instagram, but I am not somebody who was familiar entirely with her work because of some other podcasts I listen to and some other people I follow on the internet. Sophie's name was familiar to me, but this was my first book of hers to read. Stand all the way up is a collection of essays. If you also perhaps are unfamiliar with Sophie Hudson, she is a Christian author, so this book is written from a Christian worldview and a Christian perspective. I picked it up partly on recommendation from my mom, so. Susie was on the podcast a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, and this was a book she was reading at the time we recorded, I believe, and she loaned me her copy. She said, Annie, I really think you're going to like this. And I'll be honest, I was hesitant only because I don't read a ton of Christian essay collections anymore. I think I really did in my pre-bookshelf life, but in my current reading life, I find myself really having to gravitate more partly out of necessity and partly out of enjoyment. I find myself gravitating more towards literary fiction or even literary nonfiction because that's what I'm selling. And that's what we're talking about at the bookshelf. So it was kind of interesting to pick this book up on recommendation of my mom and read it purely because I wanted to. It's a paperback original. I don't know how you all are, but I tend to remember more how a book makes me feel than maybe even specific characters or plots. It's actually why recording these episodes is a really good thought exercise for me because it makes me have to go back and remember why, not just why I liked a book, because that part's easy for me to remember, but the specifics about a book. If you listen to the podcast or if you come in the store, Olivia is so great about recounting plots. And I feel like I'm more like, yes, I love that book. Here's why. And less of giving you the character names and kind of what they were up to. So I'm going to tell you how this book made me feel. Reading Sophie Hudson's words was so comforting. I will have, I think, always very vivid memories of reading this book in the bathtub after a particularly hard day and finding such comfort in the words of Um, this woman who's a little bit older than I am she's maybe in a slightly different life stage and how comforting it was that she was experiencing some of the feelings I was experiencing so the subtitle of Sophie's book is it's called stand all the way up stories of staying in it when you want to burn it all down (laughs) there have been so many times over the last few years when I have wanted to burn it all down and it could be a lot of things it could be Maybe some of the issues I've had with my the faith of my childhood or with kind of growing pains that come with growing up and into yourself, um, maybe with institutions that I previously felt like I belonged to and now I don't. And I again, just found so much comfort in Sophie's words. I think the essays you would enjoy regardless of your personal worldview or your personal religious perspective. Obviously this book, as I mentioned, is written from the Christian worldview and Christian perspective. Um, But I think Sophie actually has some really great truths and essays for a lot of us. Sophie is a very Southern writer. And if you follow her on Instagram, um, she's a very fun Southern follow. I feel like I get, Sophie is like, Sophie is like the aunt, the Southern aunt that at least I know I really do have. And I think other people kind of wish they had. She's smart. She's funny. She's a little bit snarky, a little bit bit unorthodox, but also entirely appropriate, which is why both my mom and I could enjoy this book. I found myself laughing out loud at multiple points. And then there was an essay where Sophie talks about her relationship with her mom and her mom's passing, where I just completely lost it. I thought it was so beautiful and so profound and deeply sad, but also deeply hopeful. And I think sometimes that's what's been missing in my literary life the last little bit, and maybe even in my real life the last little bit, is this sense of hope and even joy. And I think maybe that's because in a pandemic, those things are kind of hard to find and hard to reach for. So this book definitely rekindled a little bit of that, um, even in the, the essays that gave me pause or gave me something to think over. Or in the case of the essay about her mom, something to really mourn and grieve over. Um, I still found glimmers of hope. And I, I think that is something that I had kind of forgotten existed. And she writes about the political landscape and what that looks like, particularly when the people you love maybe are voting or believing differently from you. And Again, I just felt such kinship with her, and it was like sitting and talking with my favorite aunt, and I have so many lovely aunts, and so I mean this with the highest and best of praise. Um, I just felt like I was sitting at the feet of a slightly older, much wiser friend and confidant. Um, So that book is Stand All the Way Up. This is a paperback original. It is already out. It is Stand All the Way Up by Sophie Hudson. Okay. Next up, I read Memorial Drive. This is by Natasha Trethewey. This is my first book that I've read by her, but a lot of you will perhaps be familiar with her name. She was U.S. Poet Laureate a few years ago. She is actually a native Georgian, and um maybe not native. I, she may have been born in Mississippi, but um I do think Georgia Georgia claims claims her in part. I believe she uh, currently resides in Atlanta. This is her latest memoir. Again, it's called Memorial Drive: A Daughter's Memoir. I love this book. Uh, Natasha Trethaway has also been the winner of a Pulitzer Prize, and you can definitely sense it in her writing. One thing I have noticed and realized when I look back at my reading is that some of my favorite memoirs uh, have been written by poets. And so I was thinking back to a book I read several years ago, or it feels like several years ago called Priest Daddy. Um, I believe Hunter and I did that for a love it or loathe it way back when, if you're like a longtime listener, um, you might recognize that title. Priest Daddy is another memoir that I really enjoyed mostly because of the ability of the author to just write so beautifully. And she she was a poet or is a poet. And so I think there is something about the writing style of a poet where sometimes I'm not able to fully jump on board or fully embrace poetry. And that has more to do with me and less to do with poetry as a genre, but I am willing and able to jump in a memoir. So Memorial Drive is, I mean a really tough book, uh, about the murder of Natasha Trethaway's mother. And she is approaching it from both the adult she is now, and also the 19 year old she was when her mother died. And it is a book about domestic violence, domestic abuse. Um, it is a book about marriages gone sour and families broken. But because of the power and the beauty in Natasha Trethaway's words, I found the book overall to be really just beautifully done. There is perhaps less hope here than in the book I mentioned by Sophie Hudson, certainly less humor, but there is a Southern storytelling that I think, I think personally is unique to Southern writers. There is a profound sense of place in the book. The book takes place almost entirely in Atlanta on Memorial Drive. And it is a mother-daughter story and a book about a daughter trying to come to terms with who her mother was, the decisions her mother made. And now that she has lived long past the time you know, if she was 19, she's lived long past the amount of years she was when her mother was living. And so she's really examining her own life in the shadow of her mother's. And I thought that was really interesting and well done. I adored this book, I thought it was excellent. I am so glad I read it. I won't say this was outside of genre for me because, again, I think I have found that I really like memoirs written by poets. But I'm pleased to say that I picked this one up kind of after doing a new release Tuesday podcast episode. The book stuck out to me, and then a couple of our customers. Pre-ordered this one because of natasha trethaway and her connection to georgia and so i am so glad i read this i cannot wait to talk to our customers in store one day fingers crossed i hope very very soon um, because i can't wait to hear what other people thought about this one i thought it was excellent well worth your time it is called memorial drive by natasha trethaway next up and very different musical chairs by amy papel This is a book I had been looking forward to, but we didn't get any arcs at the bookshelf, which is fine. We are living in a time where it is, honestly, I feel like we're very lucky when we get advanced reader copies right now. But I was really looking forward to it because although I still have not read Amy Papel's Small Admissions, which I know several of you have read and loved, I did read her second book. I believe it was her second book called Limelight. And I loved it. Um, If you like Broadway or musical theater, New York City, Justin Bieber this will um weirdly scratch all of those itches but musical chairs is an entirely different kind of story but i adored it picture strangers and cousins meets the ensemble that's exactly what this was like i Think I am all in on Amy Papel. I think I'm gonna to have to go back and read Small Admissions. She writes books about people I just really like. Limelight has this really fun family that lives in New York City, and I felt completely enmeshed with them and in love with them. Uh, the family at the heart of Musical Chairs. This is a <laughs> they're just so delightful. This is a book that I read and actually had a really fun time reading. A lot of the books on this month's list made me think or um, caused me to think differently or made me feel known. Um, But not a lot of books lately in 2020 have just made me grin the entire time I'm reading it, but musical chairs did. And so if you are in desperate need of a pick me up, uh, I think this could do the trick. So this is about a woman. It's about actually about a man and a woman who, um, play in a trio, which is why it kind of has this, this great, um, it reminds me so much of The Ensemble by Asia Gable, which is a book I adored. And so they have grown up. They really have grown up in this trio. And the third member kind of changes over the years that that chair has changed. Um, musical chairs, uh, hence the title. But those two partners have really remained completely Um, in tune with one another's lives, uh, pun intended. And so uh, we get this really great, this book is actually a great book to read right now as summer is dwindling down because the book takes place over a summer. And it is about these two people who are in platonic love with one another. They have loved one another for their entire adult lives, but they have separate adult relationships, separate families. And there is just utter chaos as this family kind of, meets one summer at the family home. So if you love books, as I do, about um, these kind of homes passed down through the generations, I'm thinking of House Lessons, uh, which is nonfiction, but I'm also thinking of Strangers and Cousins, Unsheltered by Barbara Kingsolver, um, where this the house just plays a really important role. So this house is kind of set outside New York City. The family kind of all wind up there, despite being, you know, all adults and all grown ups, and they have their own lives. But somehow, by a series of unfortunate events, they all convene on this summer home, and it's really a coming of age for these two adults. And I like a coming of age that doesn't just feature maybe teenagers or college students or even millennials trying to figure it out. I like books about other adults. Maybe this is about really an empty nester who's trying to figure out what to do with her life next, or um, somebody who realizes, th- these two people who realize maybe we've been doing this for so long and what do we do next? And I I just love that tension. I'm, I'm sitting here recording this episode with the biggest smile on my face. I don't, as I, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, I remember how books, made, how books made me feel. I don't always remember character names and I immediately loaned this book to my mom. Um, and so I do not have my copy, but I bought a copy of Musical Chairs. That's how much I loved it. I read it, like tore my little, page markers, made notes of uh, passages I really liked, and just thought this book was an utter enjoyment. So if you're just looking for a flat out enjoyable book with people you will miss when it's all said and done, I highly recommend Musical Chairs by Amy Papel. Okay, next up. We're not going to use the phrase guilty pleasure because we're just not going to do that anymore, right? We're not going to guilt each other for what we read and what we don't read, blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) I read Finding Freedom. This is the book about Harry and Meghan, the making of a modern royal family. Uh, This is by two royal reporters. It is by Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand this book came out, gosh, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And I don't want to talk too much about it because we are going to do a special, (laughs) I say special, we're going to do a podcast episode about this book. Um, And maybe that won't be your thing. And that's totally fine. But I'm trying to inject as much joy into life at the bookshelf right now as possible, because we are operating just completely differently from how we are accustomed to. And this book, for For reasons totally different than from musical chairs, this book brought me a lot of joy. And so I'm bringing my friend Courtney Kinsey back. We can almost call her a royal reporter or something. She's going to come back and share her thoughts on the book. But if you're not familiar, this book is by two royal reporters. It made a lot of news, made a lot of splash. It kind of has been touted as this tell all about Harry and Meghan's side of the story and maybe why they, to some extent, left the royal family behind. I actually think the book is incredibly well researched and really thoughtfully done. What I will tell you. I'm going to save most of it for uh, the podcast episode in a a week or two. But what I will tell you is that even if you are not interested, perhaps in the royal family, or let's say this book came out and you were kind of eye-rolly about it, which full disclosure, that's exactly how I felt. It came in, I pre-ordered myself a copy because I thought, well, why not? And then it came in and I was kind of like, oh, this looks... I mean, I'm a fan of People Magazine as much as the next person, but I was like, this looks like a People Magazine book. (laughs) Meaning, and what I mean is, it looks like a tell all. It's got their picture on the cover, it's got their picture on the back cover. And I just thought, I don't know that I really need to read this. Well, I did. And I read the whole thing, utterly devoured it, uh, messaged many people in my life to tell them all about it. And basically, even if you have no attachment to the royal family, even if you are not a fan of the crown, if you liked crazy rich Asians, And if you like books about really wealthy people doing really interesting things that are totally unfamiliar to you and to your life, then I think you will find this to be fascinating. I love this book, but not for the reasons that I thought. Um, I'll save my, my discoveries for the full episode. But I really liked this book, and I mean that without shame, and I mean it... Truly and honestly, like I really liked it. And I actually weirdly highly recommend it, Um, especially if you are like me and you are a Royals aficionado or I don't even know if I would call myself an aficionado. But if you're interested in the Royals, then absolutely. And even if you're not, but you really liked sex and vanity or you liked crazy rotations, then this I think would very much uh, be for you. So that is Finding Freedom, uh, the Harry and Meghan making of a modern royal family. A big departure. (laughs) The next book I read was Transcendent Kingdom by Yagyasi. Guys, this book, I have wanted to read it forever. My arc finally came in. Jordan and I took uh, the slightest of little vacations to Savannah, Savannah, Georgia, a couple weeks ago, and I took this with me. Let me tell you what I think you need to know. First of all, if you liked homegoing, you will not be disappointed by this book. But this book is totally different from Homegoing, and I think really shows the range that Yagyasi has as a writer. So, Homegoing, if you have not read that, oh my gosh, please go back and read it. It's so good. It came up in our book club episode a couple of weeks ago because my book club read it um, when it very first came out and had one of the best, most memorable discussions I've ever had about a book. Homegoing is really an epic and a, a deeply multi relational, multi generational story. What Homegoing does big. Transcendent Kingdom does small and almost on the molecular level, which is funny because the book is very much about science. Um, Gifty is our protagonist. Uh, she is a scientist, a neuroscientist at Stanford University in California. And this book is about, to me, it's about her familial relationships with her mother, who struggles deeply with depression, and her brother, um, who struggled with addiction. And Gifty goes on to study uh, and examine rats and mice and how how addictive substances work on the brain. And the book and Yagiyasi use Gifty's family as the impetus and kind of the starting point for this really beautiful story about faith and doubt. If you know me, you know, I have several sweet spots when it comes to like my favorite kinds of books. I've already mentioned, um, like big family houses. We've talked about dysfunctional families, but even more specifically dysfunctional, likable families, not, although gosh, I do like people who hate each other (laughs) because I do, I do like, uh, stories like succession on HBO or something like that. But I also just really like families who enjoy one another. Um, even when they're messy, I love books. That examine faith deeply and thoughtfully and respectfully, but also messily. And so I think Yagyasi really looks at faith and doubt and science versus um, I don't even want to pit science and faith against one another, but it really looks at faith and science and how they how they leave one another out but also cross over with one another. I think this book is outstanding in case you can't tell. I am relieved to know that this is not at all a sophomore slump. I posted to my Instagram stories that this is going to be my other favorite book of the year. So it will ultimately, I think, barring the rest of the year, right? I think it will ultimately come down to The Vanishing Half or Transcendent Kingdom. I just, I think these books are truly brilliant. I think these writers are stellar and outstanding, and I cannot wait to see what comes next from them while also knowing and this is the other thing I wanted to say about Transcendent Kingdom, I also don't want these authors to rush anything ever, because these books are so good that they deserve to be thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly examined, thoroughly appreciated. And I'm grateful for the amount of time these authors spend on their work. So Transcendent Kingdom is not a book, in my opinion, to be binged, although I certainly think you could. Um, It is entirely compulsively readable. But I wound up, I think, reading it over the span of about a week. And I think the prose is just so interesting. And and like I said, if you've, if you've read Homegoing and Homegoing is kind of this epic and crosses generations and, and spans, you know, a century of time. And this story is so much smaller and yet equally as mesmerizing. And you will, I mean, your heart will break over Gifty and her mother and her brother. And this uh, story actually also goes back, and this is something I think Yagiyasi does very well in homegoing. But it, um, *Transcendent Kingdom* also spans Huntsville, Alabama, Ghana, and then California. So, like, it it kind of runs the gamut, and she's able to pay homage, I think, to all of those places really well. Um, so, I'll stop uh, gushing over this book, but suffice it to say, I hope I've convinced you that it would be worth your time. It comes out on September first, so you're you're hopefully going to be hearing this review kind of just in time to pre-order. Or don't wink, wink. Uh, so it's called Transcendent Kingdom. This is by yagyasi Okay, next up, Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. This is the book I started uh, the podcast episode with a quote from. Uh, Ruman Alam wrote uh, Rich and Pretty, which I liked but didn't love. Then he wrote That Kind of Mother, which I loved. And now he has written Leave No World Behind, which... I was prepared kind of sort of that how much this was going to blow my mind, but not entirely. So this book a few weeks ago, I feel like we talked about on an episode, how much I like books about vacations gone wrong. Like there's something about, and maybe it's especially during a pandemic where like nobody's really vacationing, how we're accustomed to nobody's traveling in the ways we're accustomed to. And so it's kind of nice to read these disaster vacation stories, but I liked them pre pandemic. Um, I feel like I mention all the time, Do Not Become Alarmed by Molly Malloy. I think that is such a such an example of this genre. But boy, I think I have another example now. Like, I think I have another book that I will name every time I talk about this genre. Leave No World Behind, or Leave the World Behind. I'm sorry, I think I said it wrong earlier. Leave the World Behind is, <laughs> it is about a upper middle class, kind of middle class family living in New York City, um, the gosh, I think the husband is a writer and a professor. And the wife is kind of this, it feels like she's kind of this high powered executive or business consultant or something where she's kind of attached to her phone all the time. And they're vacationing with their family. I pictured like in the Hamptons or something. I have no idea what in the Hamptons actually means uh, because I have not ever vacationed there, but it's basically a jaunt outside New York city where a lot of people vacation, but they found this home that's like slightly remote, doesn't have great sales service. They kind of really want to just leave the world behind and have this family vacation. So they've rented this place for a week and you know, obviously that maybe something is going to go around I but I think Ruman Alam does an excellent job of kind of leading us there. So we get these really great scenes in the first few chapters just about the house itself, the vacation, really beautiful scenes and beautiful writing about vacation and kind of the uh, what vacation does to our brains and how we feel when we're on vacation. I just felt perhaps it was because I was on a slight vacation myself by being in Savannah, but I felt very seen. I felt like, oh, this guy gets it. This guy knows what it's like to to leave the city behind, to leave your job behind, but then about two or three days into the vacation, this kind of white middle-class couple, uh, the doorbell rings or there's a knock on the door in the middle of the night. And this elderly black couple is standing at the door and claiming that the house is theirs and that there's been a blackout in New York City and they need to stay at the house until they find out what's wrong. Like they are too scared to go back to the city. Their apartment's a walk up, whatever. And so they have come to their to their home, even though they know they've rented it out, they've come to their um, second home to kind of seek out shelter just until they can figure out what's going on. Okay, none of that is spoilery. Like that all happens pretty quickly. This book is great, in my opinion, because the pacing is outstanding. It's like the perfect length. You don't want this book to be any longer than it is. Um, But it's, it's just the perfect, succinct kind of, disaster tale, to be quite honest. So there's immediately some tension. There's really great stuff here. Kind of, um, you know what this book is? God, I love coming up with these as Hunter uh, calls it kind of bookish equations. But to me, this book is such a fun age meets. to do not become alarmed because there's, there are these really great small moments. You kind of have to be paying attention for them, but these small moments about race and class and kind of the anxieties that come with those things and how those things can kind of rear their ugly heads at the worst possible moments. And so it's definitely a look, it's kind of a sociological look at race and class and the breakdowns there. And then it is also just a really good disaster story because what ensues is, as you can guess, a disaster. This also has shades of get out. Um, Maybe that's really what it is. Such a fun age meets get out. Mm, Doesn't that sound good? That's a good book. So this book is excellent. This book is out in October. Here is what I will warn you. This is a weird book to read during a global pandemic. (laughs) And that's all I'll say, because I don't really want to spoil it anymore for you. I think that really the most, the more blind you can go into it, the better, the more kind of clueless you are, the better. So I don't want to go into any more detail really, but I will tell you that I finished this book completely unnerved, not a lot gets me in that way. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty sturdy reader and I'm not really bothered. hmm, I won't say I'm a not bothered person in general, but kind of. (laughs) I'm I'm kind of a take things in stride kind of person. But this book deeply troubled me. (laughs) And so just go into it knowing that I believe it is thoroughly, I think it is supposed to be thoroughly unsettling. I am dying to talk to Ruman Alam because he didn't write this this year. Obviously, he wrote it a while ago. And so I cannot believe how weirdly timely this book is. This book is so good, but so troubling. So it's called Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam out in October. Okay. Last up is a book I just finished, like right before this recording. It is called The Resisters. This is, this book has a really striking cover. I'm sure you've seen it. It's by Gish Jin. Um, It's also got an Ann Patchett blurb on the very front, which I think would catch several readers' attention. So it's called The Resisters. I read this on the recommendation of my friend Hannah. I love getting bookish recommendations from other readers who I trust and Hannah and I have followed each other on the internet for years and she posts really great book reviews. And so I saw her review the resistors. And this is one that had been on my radar. Like we have it at the bookshelf. But when we went to Savannah, when Jordan and I went to Savannah, I wanted to see how another bookstore was operating. I really wanted to figure out maybe some practices that the bookshelf could begin implementing this fall. And so I visited eShaver, Shaver, where I have been many times. Um, We love Savannah. We love eShaver Shaver books. So we went to eShaver Shaver. And while we were there, I knew I wanted to buy something. I like to buy books. Where we're traveling. Sometimes I like the books to have to do with where we've traveled, but in this case, I didn't need that to be the. I didn't need that to be true. Um, I just wanted a good book, and I had just finished *Transcendent Kingdom*, and I had just finished *Leave the World Behind*. So this book had big shoes to fill, but I wound up finding *The Resistors*, and I really liked this one. Hannah, I believe, described it as uh, *The Hunger Games* meets *A League of Their Own*, which was pretty good that's a pretty good bookish equation and so i picked this one up this is totally outside genre for me it's a little bit sci-fi-esque it's clearly post some horrific apocalyptic uh kind of event or maybe just a kind of gradual apocalyptic event which might be worse where we're just living america is now auto america we're talking about a lot of um if you have an Alexa in your house, this book will be very disturbing to you. (laughs) And And so if you have an Alexa or if you've ever used Siri, like this book will be troubling to you because it's really, I think, about a world in which, well, in the book, they refer to her as Aunt Nettie, but it's basically the world is super connected and very much automated. And so auto America is now where where we live. And this family, this uh, this really wonderful family, Gwen, Grant, and Eleanor, they wind up starting a baseball league because their daughter, Gwen, is this amazing pitcher. And so I look, if you are starved for sports, like I am, I am starved for sports. I'm not sure it's smart to be reading sports back right now. That's a conversation for another day. I am not here to commentate about that, but I am here to tell you that I miss sports. And so the resistors uh, definitely filled that void. I very much cared about, um, there's, uh, there's Olympics happening in this book. There is this underground resistance baseball league that is so fun. Um, so if you like baseball or you like sports, I don't even really know that I like baseball all that much, but I sure did love this book. Um, and I love the sports aspect. Of this book. I also fell in love with the family. Um, They're kind of this middle class, they're called surplus family, and they have this really talented daughter. And so it's kind of about how her skills wind up coming to the attention of Aunt Nettie, like the kind of over... Aunt Nettie is not a person. I feel like I'm being confusing. <laughs> but I promise, just let the story take you. Um, but this basically um, overarching, interconnected kind of network. And so her talent, Gwyn's talent, kind of catches the eye of this automated world we're living in. And um, yeah, the rest is just really great. Like, I, I think it's just a really fun book, but also very thoughtful. It's a very thoughtful exercise on mm, what our world could look like. I think hopefully worst case scenario, (laughs) you certainly in, in, in this world, get a look at, a very environmentally impacted world. Um, a look at what global warming might do, but also a look at what automation might do, and so that is really interesting. But also, again, you've got baseballs, so it's it's a completely interesting quirky book that i really wound up liking a lot and it was totally different it like completely fit the bill because it was different enough from transcendent kingdom and from leave the world behind where i really did kind of feel like i was leaving the world behind i really like this book it's called um the resistors you'll recognize it it's got a really great cover and i think would be really fun to pick up it came out earlier this spring and i'm kind of sorry i missed it then but i'm really glad i read it when i did Okay. Those are the books I read in August. I would be very curious to find out what you guys read in August. So if you follow us on Instagram, we'll do our regular Thursday post all about the podcast and you can kind of comment and tell us what you've been reading this month. I'd be really curious. I'm always kind of looking at our TBR list and looking what we're stocking at the bookshelf. So please do share what you've been reading and thanks for listening. Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at BookshelfTville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing, and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading Here She Is, The Complicated Reign of the Beauty Pageant in America. This is by Hilary Levy Friedman. I literally just picked this one up uh, off the new release Tuesday wall at the bookshelf, so I will be curious. It's nonfiction. a look at uh, beauty pageants. I don't know why, but I just thought this looked really interesting. So I picked it up. We'll find out um, if it's as good or as interesting as it looks. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly shelf life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic. This week, we're doing, I believe, part six of Anna Karenina and receive free media mail shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you and we look forward to meeting back here next week.